Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world and all we can think about is where... Where can I hook up my mom? Digital pen hard at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, where are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Nerds. I am excited to be joined here today by Simon Schneiders. He is the founder of Blue Array, and then Edward Creeman. He is their chief technology officer. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the interstitial penalty for mobile that Google is coming out with. Um, so, Ed and Simon, thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you. So first, before we get started, I thought it'd be interesting um, for you guys to give a kind of an overview of what the upcoming mobile interstitial penalty is. Um, when this episode will be published, uh, it will be a few days before because the official launch date is January 10th, 2017. So do you just kind of want to give our listeners an overview? Sure. So what we know about uh, the interstitial penalty so far is that it's a uh, First and foremost, a mobile interstitial penalty, and then secondarily, it's a intrusive interstitial penalty. So there's a size of interstitial that uh, we're aware that Google is fr frowns upon, um, and we're we're guessing that that's somewhere around 15% of the screen size. So anything beyond that would be into territory that that could be penalised. We also know that um, Google won't be releasing a um, interstitial penalty checking tool um, on their side, or at least that's the, the last that we've heard on that, is that they won't be releasing anything. Um, so we've, um, as an organization, decided that that's not good enough um, and are building something at the moment. Um, at the, well, we're building something that's in a very early beta. Uh, we tested it. It seems to be working quite well. but. Uh, that we're looking also for the appetite for this tool. Are there people that, that are requesting it and going to be using it? That's awesome. Yeah, I think that would be really helpful because, like you said, there's no way of knowing if your site could be penalized. So it would be great to have a tool to kind of figure it out. Um, do you want to go a little bit into what counts as an, first an interstitial and then what uh, Google is counting as an intrusive interstitial. I know you said 15% of the screen, but can you elaborate more about what it is exactly? Yeah, I wish I could. I mean, there's, um, again, we've, we've, Google's been quite loose on exactly what they mean by an intrusive interstitial. They do have some examples on a, on a blog post that they did um, back in August 2016 that gives um, some example of, of interstitials that they say make content less accessible, i.e. They're, they're intrusive. They also give some examples of interstitials that um, they, they wouldn't have any problem with. So if it's an interstitial, interstitial that's there for legal obligation, um, such as age verification or cookie usage, um, or login dialogues on site where the content isn't publicly uh, indexable, um, meaning that it's not as if you're cloaking that content to, to Google, then, um, yeah, they would be fine with those kind of interstitials. And then they talk about banners taking up a reasonable amount of screen space. And, again, reasonable is um, is up for debate. And that's 
that's again I think sort of we would guess something around 15% um, and the tool that uh, Ed's been building around this is able to determine how many pixels um, that particular banner or interstitial um, would be taking up on the screen. So we're, we're, we're flagging around 15 or over 15% as, as being a potential problem. But beyond that, like I say, the, um, Google are a bit flaky about exactly what they, they're saying is intrusive. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think when it comes down to it, it's kind of Google is trying to make sure that any pop-ups you have, any ads, um, they're not interfering with the user experience. That's what they're trying to avoid on a mobile screen. Correct. So it's about their mobile user experience. Um, you know, Google for many years now has been going on about what's best for their users. Um, and again, it's sort of it's up for debate whether Google should be um, shaping the web or, or whether the web should be shaping Google. Um, but in this case, they're saying that we're shaping the web in the sense that if you decide you're going to have um, intrusive interstitials, then we will penalize you for those. In other words, if you've got any dependency um, on Google for traffic, then you, you probably want to revisit those, um, those intrusive interstitials. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good idea. I mean, Google's just trying to make the web easier to navigate um, and I really hate on mobile and desktop but especially mobile where you can't figure out how to close the box um, or it's trying to guilt you into you know entering your email and so I in a way you know like you said Simon it's you know I don't know if we should be shaping Google or Google should be shaping us but some of those tactics just aren't really good for the user experience so kind of thinking beyond just reacting to what Google is trying to do, thinking about, well, they're trying to make a good user experience. What else can I do to go along with that? Yeah. I, I mean, look, this is a, it's a, a one of a series of, of um, penalizations that, uh, or reward mechanisms that, that Google has put forward. I'm not so sure about what the strategy is behind it. I mean, if you if you think about things like HTTPS as a ranking signal and then mobile friendliness as a ranking signal and the, and the order that these things have been arrived at, I wouldn't necessarily ever put that on someone's backlog as, as a way to um, you know, tackle the web. But um, it, it is what it is. And, and this is the latest one from Google that they're, they're saying is that uh, something, I mean, January is a hard day. The other one, of course, is the uh, mobile first index, but we don't have a solid date on that one yet. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I'd like to hear that there is some kind of big strategy behind all of this, but I don't think there is. I think it's sort of whatever is the uh, yeah the sort of um, the titillation of the day sometimes. But this particular one, obviously, you saying yourself, Kelsey, and we're all aware of it that there are those sites where it's, it's incredibly frustrating that you've got to um, try and find that that tiny little cross somewhere on the page or you know, you, you've got to be a, a Groupon power user to understand how it is that you've got to, to get rid of those interstitials. Actually, I did, I did check Groupon recently. It looks as though they've now removed interstitials on the side, so um, they have reacted to it. That's good. Um, you know, that kind of speaks to a broader conversation about the rise of mobile. I think this year was kind of the first year that, well, I guess it's been happening over a few years, that um, mo mobile website traffic and searches has overtaken desktop. And so I think that part of this, um, you know, intrusive interstitial penalty 
for lack of a better word, is kind of a reaction to that. Like more and more, we're, we're accessing the internet from our phones. And so my question to you guys is, you know, based on your experience, how have you seen, you know, the rise of mobile use uh, usage? How has that affected um, the way that you do SEO or the way you set up uh, user experience on websites? Well, moving forward, we're going with mobile first, and it's a difficult habit for old guys like me who've been doing this for a long time, you know, that you, you, <laughs> you think of uh, accessing a website via a mobile device first and foremost, and yeah, it's, it's not an easy um, trick for old, dro old dogs. Um, we are seeing that, uh, yeah, with a mobile first strategy that um, it, it depends on, on what kind of site it is, but uh, featured snippets are a, a particular area of focus as well. Not not just for mobile, but also on desktop. We're sort of thinking more about voice search now. Um, you know, and obviously Google is gearing up towards that with featured snippets, i.e., having very short, what could be audible answers to to very common questions. Um, so we're sort of thinking ahead to towards voice search now, but still obviously dealing with a uh, the very real now and the now is that um, it's, it's a mobile web. Um, alongside that I was somewhat disappointed at um, there was a big push from Google to get uh, publishers to, to move towards app indexing or deep linking and uh, there was a, a dangling carrot on that one of um, free organic visibility for, um, for sites to if they had a deep link to, to content uh, it would surface on the page or a, a link to download the app would, would surface on the page as a free bit of organic visibility. And that was stripped away. Um, it was a shame to see that go because really that was the dangling carrot for more and more sites to to move towards app indexing and, and deep linking of content. Um, so, yeah, now I think we're sort of resigned to, well, that, that was something that they, they figured users weren't that excited about. So let's, you know, it, it's mobile friendliness and, you know, we still have some sites where they've got M.dot subdomains um, with very much uh, scaled down or skinny content compared to the full fat content on desktop. Um, and we were able to audit all of our client sites by going through with a, uh, a crawl on 50,000 URLs uh, via a mobile user agent versus 50,000 crawls, uh, pages crawled with a desktop user agent and basically do a diff check. And if we were seeing differences between the two, then we were highlighting that highlighting that to the clients as, as something they needed to, to work on. So I guess in terms of actionable um, steps that we took, that was one of the, the, the things that we were doing. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, more, I think before um, mobile versions of websites were an afterthought. And so now to hear, um, you know, developers and design agencies moving into, okay, we need to think of mobile first and desktop second. That's a huge shift. Um, and how we do design and your user experience and SEO as a whole. It is, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think more of a, an interesting shift is is where we're going with voice search as well. And um, voice search raises some really big questions like what happens to the click? I mean, there, there isn't a click. Um, so how are publishers supposed to monetize content that essentially is being provided as an audible result. Um, there's some really difficult questions and challenging questions around that that kind of a future. You know, um, mobile is it is what it is, and and it's a perfectly natural progression to to that. Um, we we've seen again so 
some sites that we we deal with um, have leveraged the the explosion in near me searches, um, optimizing content for near me. It's one of those things where I thought Google would be a little bit more mature around in terms of algorithmically, i.e. Um, if I'm searching for restaurants near me, that it should interpret that query to mean um, give me localized results rather than a page that's optimized for for near me. And that that seems to be still working, which is a um, a bit of an exploit that um, there's quite a few people taking advantage of at the moment. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I think it's uh, yeah the same thing as we had with desktop with mobile, where um, you've got. Uh, what you would call sort of um, results based on whether or not it has local intent behind it becoming uh, more and more prevalent as well. So generic queries like um, lawyers, for instance, would would surface localized results for those users. That hasn't changed too much. So we still need to make sure that even if they do have a, a mobile website, um, mobile first strategy, we still take the learnings of desktop, i.e. they need to have localized landing pages for all those areas that they service. So there's a there's quite a bit that's crossed over as well. Yeah, I agree. Voice search is going to be, you know, something that continues to develop to develop into 2017. Another thing that I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on um, Simon and Ed are is AMP. So that kind of, you know, ties back into mobile, thinking of mobile first. How do you think AMP is factoring into, you know, the actions Google are, is taking with the interstitial penalty or just the preference it's serving, um, you know, maybe local searches uh, because of mobile and voice search, you know, how does AMP factor in? I mean, is that something that uh, local sites should, should be thinking about? Um, I know, you know, AMP is mainly used for publishers and content, but I've also, you know, heard rumblings that people are starting to use it for e-commerce pages as well. Correct. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not um, uh, sort of trampling all over Ed here, but um, he's he's here to talk more about our um, interstitial penalty tool. So we'll, um, are you OK if I answer this one, Ed? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> it, it just seems to be a lot, a lot of me, but it's just um, Ed's uh, keener to talk about um, maybe some of the uh, the work that we did around the tool. So accelerated mobile pages, I think, is is interesting. Recently, there was a um, a friend of mine who went over to Mountain View to uh, for a big talk in front of some um, insurance providers, and uh, there were some senior people there who had no idea what AMP was, uh, and that gives me some indication of I think how much of a priority it is for for Google internally. I, it, it's something that certainly. Google are pushing hard on, you know, they're, they're, they're changing, I think, the messaging that appears within AMP snippets from a lightning icon to something fairly uh, obvious, as in this page will load a lot faster for you, um, something along those lines, in order to try and get users to understand what it is. Uh, and, and if it's user-led, then obviously the, the publishers will follow. At the moment, it's, it's something that has a fairly high opportunity cost. Um, so organizations that are talking to me about, do we go to AMP, Simon? Um, I find it a, a difficult thing to um, to justify. One, because um, it, it's a stripped down version of HTML, essentially, and you, you've got limited functionality with that. So it's fairly disempowering for publishers to take on board um, AMP. But I guess the upside being that you get some free organic visibility. 
uh, or increased organic visibility with AMP as well. And at some stage, maybe users will start to to catch on that this is something that's that's going to be faster for them. But I don't think it's there yet. But is it worth that opportunity cost is the question right now. And, and I'm not sure it is. Um, and could it be something that Google will decide in a few months from now that they, they're not seeing much user interaction with and, and will start to scale back that um, increased organic visibility? Possibly. I mean, we saw that with... Um, app indexing or deep linking as, as well, that uh, they were giving free organic visibility to sites that had those deep links in place, and, and that's been stripped back. So could it be the same with them? Possibly. So yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. It, it depends on the cost as well and what else is on that particular publisher's backlog, but we're not always, I'm not as, as much of a fanboy as many others in the industry about this being a, <laughs> a panacea to um, for publishers. Far, far from it. I see it as incredibly disempowering. It came, I mean, it was born because of ad blockers, right? I mean, that's, it was Google's answer to ad blocking. Mm -hmm. um, publishers, uh, you know, you've got to recognize that users are turned off by site speed and therefore here's our answer to site speed. And it got rolled out very, very quickly. And I just don't think that um, it's right for everyone. So, yeah, that's my 50 cents on AMP. I like it. Those are good thoughts. I think a lot of people agree with you and then a lot of people are very pro-AMP. It just kind of depends on what you're working on. Um, so, you know, to kind of go back to interstitials um, and then maybe we can get Ed's thoughts. Um, Ed, do you want to talk a little bit more about the tool and how it came about and um, how it can be useful? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Simon mentioned uh, we, we saw kind of the need uh, to help uh, organizations to identify interstitials uh, as a, uh, after kind of Google uh, published uh, the, pen the upcoming penalty. And we saw there's a, a, a need and opportunity for, for us to act upon. So, we developed a, a tool um, that uh, using image recognition to basically identify uh, potential interstitials on the page. Uh, and since we're using image recognition, we, we can basically measure how much space it takes on a, on a screen <clears throat> and therefore flag with it uh, there's a risk or not. Um, kind of the, the, the future thinking is we potentially might apply some machine learning to, uh, to run on top of, of the images we're capturing from the websites to basically automate and, and speed up the process of, uh, of uh, scanning and, and crawling. So at the moment it's in a in a uh, in internal beta. Um, so we're working hard to to release it to public uh, as soon as possible, and um, and test the appetite for people to use it. Um, so uh, by the time this this uh, podcast will be published, uh, uh, it will be available online. People can go and try it. Yeah, and that's interstitialpenaltycheck.com. So fairly memorable interstitialpenaltycheck.com. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Well, uh, so, you know, to kind of wrap it up today, um, I thought it'd be interesting to get your takes on, you know, let's say somebody is uses your tool and they get flagged as, you know, this could be, uh, this could take up, you know, your interstitials could be taking up more than 15% of your site. Um, what are some ways that they can change it and um, other ways to still, you know, get conversions without um, using those intrusive uh, pop-ups or other aspects? I think if, if site owners are absolutely resigned to, um, or they're seeing significant drop-offs in conversion by removing the interstitial, um, there is a workaround sort of 
so to speak, which is that um, if the user then navigates to another page on the website, popping up an interstitial at that stage wouldn't be a problem for Google. So it's the entry page from Google that would be the issue. So presuming that um, the user has then decided that actually this is a great website and I'm going to go and explore a little bit more detail, then you can still get those, you can sort of still shoehorn those interstitials in there if, if you're absolutely resigned to to that being the best way to convert users. But I think, um, you know, most users find it a real turnoff. And, um, you know, Kelsey, you, you've mentioned it as well. I don't, I don't, I've never met anybody that, that's really got, been wowed by an interstitial. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's not a pleasant experience. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a good thing that these things are going. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, I think that is all our time for today. Uh, Simon and Ed, thank you so much for your time. And it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Thank you. Thank you. And again, this is Kelsey Jones with Search Engine Journal. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.